Awesome. So a metaphor for this sermon is um, sometimes when you're cooking, you like look up a recipe. I'm looking at my sister-in-law, Mel. She looks up a recipe, um, you know, gets it, gets it done the right way. Um, you like get the things, you cook it, you nail it. Some other times you look in the cupboard and you're just like, we've just got what we've got and we're just going to like put it together and hopefully it tastes good. I'm looking at my friend Brianne. That's her style of cooking. And um, if you've eaten Brianne's cooking, you know that mostly that works out for her. Um, and so tonight I feel like what I'm offering up um, to you guys is um, some kind of thoughts and reflections on what um, I feel like um, I've been kind of, what's been on top for me this week um, and some like promptings from God and just, it's going to be a bit of a smorgasbord. So um, just be ready to, to take hold of um, something from that. So, um, yeah, it's already been mentioned a few times, but a big thing in the week um, has been our friend Alana and Jessie's wedding. Um, I was a bridesmaid um, at that occasion, which was really special. And um, so there's going to be some wedding thoughts tonight. Some other thing that's been happening has been the preparations um, for Lent, which is this chunk of time where we um, have 40 days um, and we can like really reflect and journey with Jesus towards um, Easter, towards the cross and the resurrection. Um, and then another thing I've been kind of that's been on top this week is that our community is recording an album um, on the 25th of April, that weekend. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, not Labor Weekend. That's too late. One of the weekends. It's on a weekend. Anzac weekend. Um, yeah. So late April. An album is being recorded, um, and I've been reflecting on worship because it's not just a project. It's not just a tick list that we're going to, like, lay down some tracks. But, like, actually, if that doesn't um, come out of, like, the life and the worship of this place, um, it's kind of just a task. And so I've been thinking about, like, oh, what is, like, the nature of worship? And then thinking about, like, Lent as a time of worship. So those are some of the reflections that have been kind of going on this week for me around worship, wedding, and Lent. Um, and so just going to bring some things from that. Um, so I'll start with a story. Um, during the wedding weekend, um, got the chance to meet a bunch of people I hadn't met before and was having a conversation with someone um, because we were down in the St. Peter's space, which if you haven't been there, it's a really beautiful kind of um, church with a lot of things that are like visually stimulating like there's quite a lot going on in there there's stained glass there's like a lot of like carved things and there's like this big concrete stone basin as you first walk in um so I've been going to evening prayers at St. Peter's for a number of years now and so I don't even really notice that when I walk in um it's kind of just like part of things for me now um but in talking to them they were kind of asking about like ah oh, like what's going on in this space and like oh it's an Anglican church like what does that even mean and so we got into a bit of a yarn about like ah oh, like why a church is different and what does that mean and um it was a really it was a really fun conversation and it made me realize like wow I have like changed a lot in the course of of my faith journey and a lot of those things um like have more meanings for me than they used to um, and so we got into this chat about how the big stone basin at the back of St. Peter's, um, that's where they would baptize babies. Um, or if you were like wanting to confirm your faith as an adult, you would um, like put some water on you there. And the reason it's at the back of the church is so that um, on your way in to the church, if you've been baptized, you're reminded of your own baptism. Like there's that water that's there on the way in um, and that people can use that water to kind of like throw some water back on themselves to remember their baptism 
and that it's also there on the way out as a as a reminder as you go out into the world that we don't just stay in the church but that we um as as god's people go back out into the world um as kind of new creations in god and there's like way more to it than that that's like a real brief summary of why that big stone thing is at the back of saint peter's but there's heaps of meaning and depth to a lot of um, I guess the form that we have, and that form might be physical form. There's some architects and designers in the room. There's intention behind a lot of choices um, that are in our like visual world, right? Do, do people agree? Yeah, I want a response from audience tonight, so I'm gonna I'll be asking those questions. Are you with me? It's quite hard with masks. It's like are the people sleeping or are they with me? Um, <laughs> um, so that's that's like a something I've been thinking about, and then. We also have words that we say that have meaning. So something we do in Anglican church a bit is we have liturgy. So we have words that we say again and again and again and again. And those words, sometimes you can just kind of mumble them out and it's just like, oh yeah, I know the words. But actually those words are like a kind of structure in our life. And um, I don't know if this has happened to any of you guys where you've had a moment where you realize you're praying something that's like memorized. It's actually like the words are inside you. Um, and so liturgy becomes this kind of structure in our lives. Um, I had the crazy experience of at the wedding yesterday, standing up um, alongside Lance and Joe and being in the physical form of St. Peter's and having those guys um, share some of the liturgy that I myself just partook in a couple months ago when I got married. And it was quite like, whoa, this is a lot. This is like we are sharing in these words together. And um, I was reminded of the words I'd said but also had the context of like, these guys are sharing in those words too. And a lot of other people throughout history have shared in these words. And just kind of like the bigger sense of what you're a part of. And it was quite like, whoa, quite amazing. And um, I guess like uh, made me realize some of the communal aspects of, of our faith. So we, um, we have prayers on um, down at St. Peter's on a weekday evening if you guys ever want to get along um if you're new to that kind of space you're just super welcome or if like this talk is like ah, oh, actually I find liturgy boring I might you know I want to try it out and see if I can engage with it in a more like interesting way um you're super welcome but yeah it just I guess I've been thinking about this a bunch partially because um I'd just been having this conversation with someone that was like, oh, I'm from like a non-denominational Pentecostal church. Like, what does all this mean? Like, we're Fano in Christ, but I don't know any of how you do your stuff. And so it was just a really like, oh, yeah, why do we do this this way? So found that really interesting. And um, thinking about Lent, I was reminded, oh, like when I first came to faith, I didn't know what Lent was. It was quite a number of years, actually, until I like really even knew what that practice was. I had one Anglican friend when I was at school and she was like, oh yeah, I'm doing Lent. And I kind of like wanted to seem like I knew about church stuff. So I was like, oh, true. Yeah, no, no, we don't do that at, at my church. But I was like, what is that? Um, and yeah, just it's just funny, eh? Different, different traditions, different practices. And so we're going to come back to Lent. But I want to share this thing that I felt like God kind of prompted me around, um, which ties into worship and then we'll tie it into Lent. So um, there's a thing called the lectionary which is pretty much like a big Bible reading plan um, that like they run um, every three years you get to read your way through the Bible because they like decide for you like read this bit on this day. Um, And so it was one night this week um, I was like sitting 
at home was kind of like nearly beard time and I felt like God was like, read the Bible. Um, have you guys ever had that experience? Yeah, they're like, ha, ha, ha. Um, yeah, I was like, okay. And then I was like, oh, the Bible, there's so many different parts I could read. And then I was like, oh, the lectionary, it'll tell me what to read. Um, so I went to the lectionary and um, it said for evening prayers to read a bit of Second Chronicles. Anybody else journeying through Second Chronicles at the moment? <laughs> People laugh. <laughs> yeah, Second Chronicles. I was like, I don't know if I've ever read Second Chronicles. Now, so anyway, I was like, okay, Second Chronicles 5. I'll probably be picking up in a really random part, but oh well. And I read it, and I was like, this is amazing. And then I was like, I want to read on. And then I read chapter 6. <laughs> um, I was just like, this is so beautiful. And I was like, oh, thank you, God, for prompting me to read this. Um, and so what this little bit of Chronicles is, is um, this guy Solomon, who's the king of Israel, he's getting to the point where he, um, he's been serving God. Um, he's been working really hard um, to like organize um, the people's worship by building this big building in honor of God. And he, there's been a lot of intentional thought and purpose around like how do we build the building so that this like tells the story of who God is and who we are. And then they pretty much do like a, um, I'm imagining like a yacht where you cut the ribbon and you smash the champagne bottle. What is that called? Dedication? <laughs> commissioning? <laughs> they do a commissioning service for the yachts. Um, they do a, <laughs> they do, they do this dedication of the temple. And then all this beautiful stuff happens. And then Solomon prays this amazing prayer. And so what I'm going to do is read chapter 5 and chapter 6, which actually isn't that long um, to you guys. Let it wash over you, and then I'm going to share some reflections um, of what just clarified for me in that. So Second Chronicles 5. That completed the work King Solomon did on the temple of God. He then brought in the holy offerings of his father David, the silver and the gold and the artifacts. He placed them all in the treasury of God's temple. Bringing all this to a climax, Solomon got all the leaders together in Jerusalem, all the chiefs of the tribes and all the families of patriarchs, to move the chest of the covenant of God from Zion and install it in the temple. All the men of Israel assembled before the king on the feast day of the seventh month, the Feast of Booths. When all the leaders of Israel were ready, the Levites took up the chest. They carried the chest and the tent of meeting and all the sacred things in the tent used for worship. The priests, all the Levites, carried them. King Solomon and the entire congregation of Israel were there before the chest, worshipping and sacrificing huge numbers of sheep, sorry, vegans, and cattle, so many that no one could keep track. The priests brought the chest of the covenant of God to its place in the inner sanctuary, the holy of holies, under the wings of the cherubim. The outspread rings of the cherubim formed a canopy over the chest and its poles. The end of the poles were so long that they stuck out from the entrance of the inner sanctuary but were not noticeable further out. They're still there today. There was nothing in the chest itself but the two stone tablets that Moses had placed in it at Horeb, where God made a covenant with Israel after bringing them up from Egypt. The priests then left the holy place. All the priests there were consecrated, regardless of rank or assignment, and all the Levites who were mu musicians were there, Asaph, Haman, Judithan and their families, dressed in their worship robes, the choir and the orchestra assembled on the east side of the altar and were joined by 120 priests blowing trumpets. The choir and the trumpets made one voice of praise and thanks to God. 
orchestra and choir in perfect harmony, singing to God and playing praise to God. Yes, God is good. His loyal love goes on forever. Then a billowing cloud filled the temple of God. The priests couldn't even carry out their duties because of the cloud, the glory of God that filled the temple. Then Solomon said, God said he would dwell in a cloud, but I have built a temple most splendid, a place for you to live in forever. The king then turned to face the congregation who come together and blessed them. He blessed them praying, Blessed be God, the God of Israel, who spoke personally to my father David. Now he has done what he's promised when he said, From the day I brought my people Israel up from Egypt, I haven't set apart one city among the tribes of Israel in which to build a temple to honor my name or chosen one person to be a leader. But now I have chosen both a city and a person, Jerusalem for honoring my name and David to lead my chosen people. My father David was ve- very much wanted to build a temple honoring the name of God, the God of Israel. But God told him, it was good that you wanted to build a temple in my name, in my honor. Most commendable, but you're not the one to do it. Your son will carry out your, out your dynasty and will build it in my name. For now you see the promise completed. God has done what he said he would do. I have succeeded David, my father. I now rule Israel and I have built a temple to honor God, the God of Israel. And have secured a place for the chest that holds the covenant of God, the covenant he made with the people Israel. Before the entire congregation of Israel, Solomon took his position at the altar of God and stretched out his hands. Solomon had made a bronze diaz, seven and a half, I don't know what that is, seven and a half feet square and four and a half feet high, it's very large, and placed it before the court. That's where he now stood. Then he knelt in full view of the congregation and stretched his hands to heaven and prayed, God, O God of Israel, there is no God like you in the skies above or the earth below who unswervingly keeps covenant with his servants and unfailingly loves them while they sincerely live in obedience to your ways. You kept your word to David, my father, your promise. You did exactly as you promised every detail. The proof is before us today. Keep it up, God, O God of Israel. Continue to keep the promises you have made to David, my father, when you said to him, you will always have descendants to represent my rule on Israel's throne on the one condition that your sons are careful to live obediently in my presence as you have. O God, God of Israel, let this all happen, confirm and establish it. Can it be that God will actually move into our neighborhood? Why, the cosmos itself isn't large enough to give you breathing room, let alone this temple I've built. Even so, I'm bold to ask, pay attention to these prayers, both intercessory and personal, O God, my God. Listen to my prayers, energetic and devout, that I'm sitting before you right now. Keep your eyes open to this temple day and night, this place you've promised to dignify with your name, and listen to the prayers that I pray in this place. And listen to your people Israel when they pray in this place. Listen from your home in heaven, and when you hear, forgive. When someone hurts a neighbor and promises to make things right, and then comes and repeats the promise before your altar in this temple, listen from heaven and act. Judge your servants making the offender pay for the offense and setting the offended free, dismissing all charges. When your people Israel are beaten up by an enemy because they've sinned against you, but you turn to them and acknowledge your rule in prayers desperate and devout in this temple, listen from your home in heaven, forgive the sins of your people Israel, return them to the land you gave them and their ancestors. 
when the skies shrivel up and there's no rain because your people have sinned against you. But then you pray, they pray to you in this place, acknowledging your rule and quit their sins because you have scourged them. Listen from your home in heaven. Forgive the sins of your servants, your people in Israel, then start them over. Train them to live right and well. Send rain on the land and give an inheritance to your people. When disaster strikes, famine or catastrophe, crop or failure or disease, locust or beetle, or when an enemy attacks his defences, calamity of any sort, any prayer that's prayed from anyone at all among your people Israel, their hearts penetrated by disaster, hands and arms thrown out for help to this temple. Listen from your home in heaven, forgive and reward us, reward each life and circumstance, for you know each life from the inside. You're the only one with such inside knowledge. So they'll live before you in lifelong reverence and believing obedience in this land you gave our ancestors. And then this bit is the bit that I just found so beautiful. And don't forget the foreigner who is not a member of your people, Israel, but has come from a far country because of your reputation. People are going to be attracted here by your great reputation, your wonder-working power, and who come to pray in this temple. Listen from your home in heaven and honor the prayers of the foreigner so that people all over the world will know who you are and what you're like and live in reverent obedience before you, just as your own people Israel do, so that they'll know you personally made this, make this temple that I've built what it is. And it goes on, but I've read enough. And so I was just like, man, wow. There's just this beautiful sense where Solomon has built this really big fancy building, but he is staying like super humble and dedicating it to God. Um, and acknowledging where God's been faithful and calling him to the project, like he's not making the project his own project. And then he goes on to pray for the people and pray for those that he doesn't know yet and pray for the foreigners and the people that, um, like that feels like quite a big deal to be wanting to bless and pray for people that aren't part of your kind of nation and your community in this era. Like that was that was big. That was before Jesus came and said, oh, actually this is for everybody. Like he was... Honoring God's call to care for um, like the foreigners in their community. But did it well because often the people of Israel really didn't do that well. So anyway, I was just like, wow, this is so, so beautiful. And so there were kind of three things that really stood out f- for me from this. Thinking about um, both our worship album that we're going to be recording. That's a few people specifically are going to be really involved in. But actually everybody is a part of this in a kind of spiritual sense. Like this is something that's coming out of this community that these songs have been written here. Um, And also that's happening at the end of Lent on the other side of Easter. And we're coming up to this day of like 40 days of um, kind of like making space for God, which in my mind I'm starting to frame up as like 40 days of worship pretty much. So three things that stand out to me and then three things that I think um, are are important for us to respond to in that. So one... um, Solomon's dedication to complete a task for God's glory. Big standout. Two, um, the big emphasis in um, that first bit on unity of the people, of getting everybody together. And there's all these different parts they play, but they had one voice and one, um, like when you have people making music, if they're not working together in unity, it sounds shit. Um, and it didn't sound bad. It sounded awesome. <laughs> um, so everybody had these different parts, um, and they all acknowledged God's goodness together, and it made a, it was a beautiful thing. So big emphasis on unity. And then 
just this beautiful thing where they're like doing their stuff. That's their kind of way of worshiping God. And then God's glory rolls in and just interrupts it and kind of is like, oh, now it's now it just changes. <laughs> um, and I just thought that was so delightful and reminded me um, of a, f- a few years ago, um, this resource that was before I was even part of Blueprint um, got made called a welcome interruption. Does anyone remember that? Connor, Holly, oh, legends. Um, was that a little hand from Rosie? Oh, a little coy hand. Yep, Rosie. So it was um, this name of like a... I thought it was such a beautiful name, a welcome interruption. I guess that idea of welcoming the interruption that God makes when God says, oh, walk this way, or welcoming the nudges of the Holy Spirit that's like, go talk to that person, or welcoming um, someone comes up to talk to you and you don't really feel like talking to them, but you're like, maybe God's going to speak to me through them, or maybe I get to bless them. You know, We get interrupted all the time, and there's an opportunity for us to look for God in the interruption. And these guys were going about their kind of like, orderly worship and God interrupts them by showing up in a huge cloud of glory (laughs) Um, a big interruption but just yeah being in the flow of worship and then being listening and looking and joyful for God's interruptions so that's the third thing that stands out and so yeah the three things that I want to invite us to um, think about as we move towards Lent and as we move towards Easter is that Lent is a time of making space Um, of turning our attention towards Jesus. And sometimes people do that by um, like changing their routine a bit by saying, oh, I'm going to add this in or I'm going to drop this out. Um, And I know for me, sometimes I've probably in the past thought of that as a little bit like a form of self-help, kind of like I'm going to not eat sweet treats in Lent. And that's kind of just my way of being healthy but making it religious. Um, And I think... You know, God was probably like at work in that anyway. Um, But I think like the journey for me, the helpful reframe for this Lent feels like like a journey of worship. And um, that uh, in that, I think, um, would really love for people to to get on that waka and um, in that time to spend time in worship, to spend time praying for this worship album that we're going to put out that actually like how Solomon prays that prayer for the people and prays that prayer for those who would come to the temple and worship later, that we can pray for where this album is going to go, that people would meet Jesus through that and that people's lives would be transformed and that God would be glorified. So praying for that as a project we're doing and holding that before God, Um, praying for unity and joy in worship um, for this community and for our crew who are a team, who are creating this resource. Um, and just taking the time to dwell with God and worship. And so I think, yeah, just what, what I want to um, leave us with, there'll be different things that have stood out to different people, is um, the invitation we have to come and um, be before God in worship. And in Lent, um, we know worship is our whole lives, um, but there's these special ways we do worship um, through kind of music and prayer and like communal stuff. And that might, that might need to look a little bit different, as I've said earlier, um, through the covid times over the next little while. But that the heart and the spirit behind that of um, unity and of um, what, what's just been shared around like some of the nature of worship is something we can carry um, into this next season. So, yeah, just we're, we're going to sing together now. Um, Connor and Ty and Jerome are going to lead us. Um, and I would just encourage you guys to just like really take what you've received around worship and 
place that before God and bring yourself before God in this time um, so that the season that comes up of Lent can be one of um, receiving the gifts, gifts of grace through making space for God. Awesome. I'll just pray for us a second as these guys get ready. Love and God, thank you. Um, that Yeah, you host us um, as your people, as your family together, and that you lead us um, to sing and to be before you and to reflect. So we just um, yeah want to honor your name now, and we want to know you better and meet with you in a special way um, this evening. So yeah, lead this time, Holy Spirit, and bless us. In Jesus' name, amen.